We live in a world that is forever changing, from one day to the next. Now add to that an inner world that is forever at odds with itself. How does one accomplish anything when the only thing that is certain is uncertainty? Welcome to the Lifting with Bipolar podcast, the show designed to be an educational safe haven offering real-world solutions for real-world people. My name is Jonathan Sharko. Living with Bipolar 1 in today's world is a double-edged sword, but I'm here to work through it with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the Lifting with Bipolar podcast. Uh, I'm very excited to have my guest, uh, Sydney, join us today. Um, Sydney, why don't you go ahead and just take some time and maybe kind of let the audience know who you are and we can kind of just let the audience preface. We're just kind of having a free flowing conversation, very natural conversation today. So there's no script or anything like that, no topics of agenda. So we'll just kind of see where it takes us. So, uh, Sydney, why don't you take the floor? Maybe just give yourself a brief introduction. Um, Hi, my name is Sydney. I'm 26 years old and I live in Seattle, Washington. Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder about two years ago. Um, so I've just been kind of going along this journey of trying to figure out how to really go through life with it and figure out ways to cope with it. So, yeah, I've been diagnosed myself. I guess we can kind of go back and forth. I've been diagnosed, uh, like 20 something like 2012. So maybe like 12, 12 years or so like now, but a little bit. Not to say that that's an advantage or a disadvantage. It's just I've been, I've been uh, diagnosed for a little while now. So what's what's it kind of been like? Maybe I, I remember I'm just thinking back to like the first couple years because it kind of took me a while to really get kind of get my bearings and kind of get um, and it's still a battle every day. So um, what what has it kind of been like? Maybe the first kind of maybe the first year or two so far trying to kind of navigate this new water that you're um, in. The first year or two have been kind of rough. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. something new that you're having to kind of get used to having as part of your life. Um, cause I mean, it, it affects your life in more ways than one. It affects almost everything that you do. And, you know, I've had some hospitalizations and, um, some just not so good times with it, but I feel like I'm starting to finally come out on the other side and have like some knowledge on ha- how to, uh, like, I don't know how to approach it, I guess, how to approach bipolar disorder. Um, so only having it for a few years so far, I feel like it's definitely been a lot of learning to go through. Um, it's a lot of new things to go through and it's, like I said earlier, you kind of have to learn how to cope with it and find ways to, you know, live every single day and not let it really control your entire life. Yeah. How, how, how are ways there kind of, um, some avenues that you've gone about, like kind of obtaining knowledge and kind of learning about your diagnosis and um, bipolar disorder? Well, I work in healthcare. So I was talking to one of the psychiatrists that I work alongside and, or that I used to work alongside. And I would ask him questions about it and just, you know, inquire more information. Like, is this normal? Is this something that I should, you know, keep an eye on that kind of stuff. Um, But also with my personal psychiatrist that I see for regular psychiatry and then my psychiatrist for ECT. Um, They've been very informative in the entire process of, you know, having bipolar disorder and kind of going through the motions of everything. So I think getting more comfortable with reaching out to them and asking them questions about it has definitely helped me kind of broaden my horizons and the knowledge of what I know about bipolar disorder. 
Nice. That's definitely a unique, I don't want to say upper hand or advantage, but it's definitely like a unique resource that you have on on hand. Maybe you can kind of speak to your coworkers and some of these professionals directly or kind of indirectly and take some of their time. Yeah. So um, how did your diagnosis come about? I, I know for mine, like it just, uh, thinking back to my own story, it just kind of came up, came about through a manic episode. Um, I just, I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I had like my first manic episode and then I had to be hospitalized as well. And that's kind of how I kind of got diagnosed. I don't know if you had a similar story or how your diagnosis came about. Uh, so for, cause you have type one, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Just to clarify, I have bipolar one disorder, which mainly, mainly entails like the really high highs and the really low lows. So. Yeah. So for me, I have type two and the way that I found out is I was actually in a very depressive episode and I had a suicide attempt and they hospitalized me for about two weeks. And during that time I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but I didn't really believe it at first when I was first diagnosed because I felt like they were kind of just diagnosing everyone there with it. Like everyone kind of had the same diagnosis and it just felt too good to be true at that point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was because of the depressive episode that I had to be hospitalized after my attempt. And I got to meet with my first psychiatrist that I ever met with and they kind of explained everything to me and was kind of like, you know, you fit all these qualifications of it and you know, how do you feel about it? Like, do you kind of agree with it and that kind of stuff? So that's kind of how it came about. Yeah. I, th I can relate to that because I remember my, my first psychiatrist and it was just like, I kind of fit it. I kind of fought it like kind of, I was like, no, I'll be honest with you. I was like, I was doing a lot of cannabis and a lot of substances. I was in college at the time. I think I was 23. So it was like, it was just a part of the culture of drinking, doing mm -hmm. drugs, like staying up all night, sleepless nights, kind of like all the boxes. I was like, no, I'm like, I'm just living a college life. Like this is, you know, sleepless nights, experimenting with things. Like this is more of drug induced things. And it really didn't hit me until I had like another episode a couple, a couple months later, pretty rapidly. And then I was like, okay, I really have to accept this and kind of uh, maybe take the take the professionals route but it was just i kind of had the same feeling i was like you're kind of just lumping in here everybody's you know you're just kind of corralling everybody in here and the same thing same thing it's kind of easier for you guys to do that and things like that so um yeah it's i definitely remember my first psychiatry and my first diagnosis so um but within the first two years i guess um I, I guess have, have you found anything that's been successful so far in kind of managing like have you I know I, I like to refer to myself as like having a toolbox have you found any kind of tools that have been helpful so far in navigating this um well definitely maintaining open lines of communications with my psychiatrist has been very helpful um we've made mm -hmm. quite a few med adjustments and I think we're finally on the right track for having the correct meds picked out which is nice um which is very refreshing awesome. because I'm sure as you probably know, it's very rough to go through and constantly be changing meds and just, it's, it's a huge game, but, um, also I'm doing ECT or electroconvulsive therapy. Um, cause for bipolar two, you have more of the depressive episodes and I have really bad suicidal ideation. Um, and ECT has actually helped I wouldn't say cure it because I still have some episodes of it, but it's definitely helped minimize it, which has been extremely, extremely helpful and comforting and makes me actually want to be here. So it's a good feeling. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't know. I haven't, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really met too many people. I, I do go to like a peer support group here locally and I'm, I'm based in Reno, Nevada. <laughs> so uh, we have like a once weekly meeting where we just meet with other people who are, 
either have bipolar disorder or who are, who are fam friends or family members. Um, I haven't really met too many people who have gone through ECT therapy. Can you maybe kind of take me like maybe walk through a little bit of that if you're comfortable talking about what, what kind of that entails and the process? Yeah. So before you actually start ECT therapy, you go through a lot of like, um, I don't know what it's called. It's kind of like a, a pre-op clearance or just like a clearance with your regular doctor. And then you meet with a psychiatrist and you kind of come up with a game plan and um, so when you go to ECT, you are under anesthesia for it. So you don't really feel anything. Mm -hmm. You're under anesthesia for maybe five, 10 minutes at most. And then you're back up in the recovery room afterwards and able to go home afterwards, which is nice, but you can't drive obviously. Uh, so like I have, mm -hmm. my husband will bring me or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, pretty quick and pain free. Although you do, some people do get a lot of like muscle aches and nausea and headaches afterwards. I know I did when I first started. Um, but it's been very, I started last January, um, in 2022 and I went all the way until June, early July. And then I stopped going cause I thought that I was I think I was in a hypomanic episode and I thought I was cured and I thought everything was perfect and nothing was wrong with me anymore. Not like having bipolar disorder or something wrong with you, but I just felt mm -hmm. like I was invincible at that point. And I was like, no, I'm not going again. And that's when I ended up having another attempt a couple weeks later. So I started going back to ECT in uh, September of last year and have been going maybe like once every few weeks or once a week or something like that. And it's been very helpful. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, it's probably the quietest that my head has been in a long time. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of scary when you think about going under anesthesia for a, a seizure that they induce electrically, but you don't feel it. And I mean, you might just mm -hmm. have some side effects afterwards, but they're pretty minimal for me at least. That's good. I'm so glad it's kind of uh, found fit. I was I was already thinking of asking, like, how often do you go? Like, is it just, it sounds like you go just once a week? Yeah. So right now I did start going back about twice a week, about a month ago, because um, I had to take medical leave from work because I was having really bad suicidal ideation again. Um, but mm -hmm. now I'm kind of titrating down to once a week and then I'll go once every other week. And then at once every three weeks or something like that. So it kind of like titrates down to a minimal amount so that way you're not going multiple times a week. That's good. Yeah. I know with like, we just had like our mental health awareness month. It was May. And I know we're just kind of starting off a new month and, and with June starting off, but um, have you, have you done anything like within your local community trying to maybe like raise awareness or things like that? Or, I mean, what kind of conversations do you have? Maybe I'm thinking of just like social support, like, since your diagnosis, like how have your friends and family, I know with mine, like there was just a lot of confusion and they just weren't honestly, like I, I would look to my friends and family, but they weren't really trained professionals. So there was kind of some difficulty there, like getting that support. And it was, it, it wasn't easy on them either. Like they weren't really well equipped to do that. So like how, how have your friends and family kind of um, crowd around you? Have you found, have you found some good support within your, I know, I know you mentioned your husband supports you. I know. Um, do you have any, like, how has that kind of just been transpired? I know with me, with me, like, I've definitely lost some friends, gained some friends, made some new friends. So how has that kind of been within the first two years of your diagnosis and kind of going through some of these 
um, heavier topics with your social support? I'm just kind of curious your experience. Yeah, it's probably been the same. Uh, lost some friends, gained some friends, found some new friends. Um, and thankfully, I have my husband who's super supportive of me and has been supportive through this entire journey. Um, and so, um, but that's so awesome that your partner is very supportive of you through through thick and thin, and you guys have been able to maintain your your relationship and, and do so well with this. So, um, yeah, I know I know with uh, with suicide, it's a very heavy topic. Like, um, can you maybe speak to any other 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 people? Do you have any like tips or advice or um, things you maybe want to talk to other people about as far in terms of that topic? If you feel comfortable, or um. I know this is really cliche to say, but just that it does get better. And I realized in the time since I've been diagnosed and struggling with suicide and all that stuff is I realized that I can't just, I think I made a post about this a couple of months ago, um, that I couldn't rely on just like my medications to fix me. I have to actually put in the effort as well. So, you know, whether that's you know, changing the way that I'm eating or working out more or, um, you know, trying to stay busy and not having so much downtime to think and just kind of think myself into a dark place. I've realized that, you know, things do get better, but I just have to really put in the effort to see it get better. So it's, mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe it, but it's, and also that you're not alone. There's so many people that can probably empathize with you and understand, you know, kind of what you're going through and that you're not alone. It may feel alone. It, it feels very lonely, but it's, there's always someone out there that, you know, understands kind of what you're going through and is able to empathize and sympathize with you and be on your side. So yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that that's a key phrase there is that you're not alone with this, um, with dealing with this um, kind of just what you're just your experiences. So it's like, I really am glad I kind of our paths kind of cross. I know I think we kind of found each other through social media. And it's very courageous of you to kind of create a platform and um, kind of have these conversations and, and make these connections, because I definitely think that you kind of inspire people to um, not be not be so ashamed or not be kind of in the dark about these topics that, that it's okay to talk about these things. And it's just a part of the human experience, kind of some of the things that we go through. So Thank you. Uh, I'm definitely glad that you've kind of created that platform and you're making these connections. So Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, let's see here. Let me probably take a little time out here. Um, yeah, I just know like, just I guess we'll, I won't probably include this in the podcast, but it's just kind of a hairy topic, but with like, I appreciate you being willing to talk about uh Suicide. I know it's like a big, heavy topic. I think I just went through some training like recently, like uh, we just had like some suicide walks and things like that. So it's like I'm kind of looking at my cheat sheet right here. It's like how to kind of like the proper language and how to talk about these things. So. Um, all right, Sydney. So I, I know we kind of touched on you can't really rely on a magic pill or like really just rely on just taking your medications day in and out, day in and day out to kind of really cure or fix your, your kind of ailments. Um, what are some things that you kind of like to do? Um, to kind of ensure that you're living your optimal health, like living your best life and some of those things. I, I know that you're really big into exercise and eating nutrition. Can you maybe kind of delve into those things a little bit more? Yeah. So I started back in November. I 
as with a lot of people that take medicine, you tend to gain weight and I gained quite a bit of weight from it. And I was just very, it made me even more depressed. So I was kind of like, you know, I really want to lose this way. I want to get back into shape. And I actually really fell in love with working out again. And I was going almost every single day. Like it was just almost like an outlet for me, a way to kind of just get my energy out and get any frustration or anger that I have out as well. Um, and also I think I've met some really great friends at the gym too, which is even more helpful when you're going through something like this, um, to have friends and people that you can count on and rely on and talk to. And so I think when I started working out in November and I'm still working out today, but I just, it was really beneficial mentally. I feel more so than physically. Like, yes, I still lost the weight and everything like that, but I feel like it really benefited my mental well-being more because it's not just exercising your body, but also exercising your mind at the same time. So you're, you know, burning some energy and building muscle and kind of bettering your health. So it was very beneficial and I find it very beneficial for me still. Nice. What are some forms of like exercise that you like to do? I, I know like maybe like resistance training or cardiovascular exercise, like walking or jogging or some of those things. What are some of your favorite go-tos that you enjoy? I really enjoy weightlifting. Um, I used to kind of steer clear away from it because I was like, oh no, you know, I don't want to be that big bulky person. But then I realized that's just a myth, you know, that's not true. So, um, I really enjoy weightlifting or cardiovascular activity or like tennis or swimming. Um, those are just some of the ones that I really enjoy. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad you kind of found the outlet and kind of debunked that myth. I know like, uh, later on in the summer, we're going to have some other, um, uh, some other people who identify as females on and who are going to talk about kind of like getting into weightlifting and some of those things and how like you're not really uh, as going to get as bulky and going to be full of testosterone and all kind of train, change your body shape. It's really dramatically. It takes a lot of work. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I see your, your leg press posts all the time. You're always on the leg <laughs> press machine and things like that and get, getting your, getting your lower body in and uh, we'll plug your stuff at the very end. But yeah, with your uh, endless uh, gym selfies in the mirror and things like that, it's good to kind of keep yourself accountable. I know do you enjoy kind of having a fitness account on Instagram as well? Does that kind of keep you accountable and keep you going every day or? Um, it used to, I don't post as much as what I used to. I used to go every single day to the gym and post every single day. And now maybe I post maybe once a week or something like that, but it's still mm -hmm. helpful because I never really, I guess I never really put two and two together that if I take a picture like from months ago and compare it to a picture from now, they look different. Um, and mm -hmm. it's just, like you said, helps keep me accountable with this all. So, Yeah. But I, I love how you kind of really um, touched on it. It's not really about the physical weight loss, like the number on the scale. Like you have so many other benefits of it. It's just kind of like a great way to release those endorphins and just kind of stay mentally just kind of clear. I mean, whether no matter what kind of stressors, I, I can only imagine working in healthcare can be very stressful on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's kind of nice. I don't know if you work out before work or after work, but it's just kind of nice having like maybe an, just an outlet or a way to kind of get rid of some of that energy. Yeah. Usually I try to work out before work, but if I don't, then I'll just end up not going if I don't work out before work. So. Mm -hmm. 
and also just kind of diving into just kind of building community. Like it's kind of nice to be making friends in a new, like kind of healthier setting, um, I guess at the gym for, for example, for say, so. Yeah, I uh, definitely met some friends at the gym and like a personal trainer that I worked with. Good. Um, so I think you said you were in your mid twenties right now. Uh, yes. 26. I turned 27 next month. Awesome. Yeah. Summer baby. Not, yeah, I have my birthday coming up here soon. I'm a Gemini. So it's Gemini season. I don't know what uh, your astrological sign I'm is. Leo. Or... <laughs> Leo. Okay. Um, how do you kind of navigate like just being in your mid twenties at this time, of, like at this time in your life where people are kind of going out or doing, um, um, maybe hitting up, uh, I've been to Seattle a couple of times, maybe hitting up Capitol Hill or some of those places or some of those hip, pl hip places to go to, like, how do you kind of navigate balancing going out and having uh, a young, like having a young, I don't want to say normal life, but just having a young sociable life was with compared to like getting quality sleep and taking medications and maybe even, um, dabbling and practicing in some sobriety. Yeah. So I, I used to work in Seattle. Um, I live outside of Seattle just by like a quick ferry ride. Um, but when mm -hmm. I worked in Seattle, I would never want to go to Seattle afterwards because it's just, I, it's, it's, working there is different than going there for fun, I guess. Um, and I have my friends that I hang out with here where I live and we'll spend like the weekends together or something or the evenings, um, or even some of my coworkers that I work with now. Um, and sometimes occasionally I do go into Seattle and spend time with my friends that I used to work with there or something like that. Um, but it's definitely changed. It's definitely different than when I was in college and I would want to go out and go drinking and go, you know, do crazy things all weekend long. And now I'm not, um, I'm sober. So I, I don't drink or anything like that. And so I feel like a lot of my friends are still kind of stuck in that phase of wanting to go out and drink and get drunk and all that kind of stuff. But really, I think it's it's better if I don't uh, for my well-being mm -hmm. and my mental health. So. Yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, I, I'm, I'm originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, so I kind of moved. Just I'm still within the state of Nevada, just in a different area. But um, yeah, I just remember when I was diagnosed, it was really kind of a um it was a bit of a struggle because it was kind of like how, how i identified myself with i worked in a bar i was uh, a bar back and kind of was like always in the nightlife and thought i'd be working in the nightlife like some of my friends and family who they really kind of make careers out of working in the las vegas nightlife so it was just kind of a kind of identifying trying to figure out how to navigate that path and really um grasp on to accepting like maybe being sober sober is a is a more positive route i can only speak on my experiences i don't really not to say a bad mouth, you know, if you have bipolar disorder, if you have a drink or if you partake in some things like that's totally, it's your body, your choice. I don't really try to push that on anybody else. I just know for myself, like sobriety has kind of been the best thing for my medications to work and for some of those other things for me to remain consistent with. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. Um, are you got doing anything fun for the summer? Any like projects lined up or anything that you're looking forward to? Um, not really just working. Um, I'm still in school, so I have school mm -hmm. over the summer and, um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot planned. My husband's deploying, so he's home all oh. summer, so that'll kind of be rough, but it'll be okay. We'll tell him thank you very much for his service. Always, uh, always appreciate people who are able to serve. I know 
Um, not to make it about me, but I remember my grandfather was in the Air Force and that was kind of was my kind of goal was to graduate from college and then enlist in the Air Force. But then, of course, when you have bipolar disorder, you're not allowed to enlist in some of those things. So <laughs> Exactly. But th- tell him thank you very much for his service and I wish him a safe and um, deployment and I hope he comes back home very soon. Me so. too. Thank you. How do you kind of juggle balancing like working with school and, and all these things? Like what's kind of been, um, is it just, is it just good to stay busy? Or are you just very time, time management or organized and some of those things and, and maintaining like not only your work, but your school and also like kind of some of your appointments and your social life. What's, what are some of the maybe tools and tricks that you use to kind of manage your time so well? So I am very much an organized person. Um, and I like to time out my day. So I separate out like in my phone on the Apple uh, calendar, I break it down by like hour and I like plan things to do in that hour to get it done at that time. So that helps me mm-hmm. stick with it. But with going to school, I'm kind of falling a little bit behind there because I just haven't been prioritizing it as much, which is hard to do sometimes really not feeling that well. And you still have to go to work and you still have to do this and you still have to do that. But um, I'm getting caught back up, which is nice. And working too is it's, I feel like it's doable for someone with bipolar to work full time, but it's also, I feel like pretty hard um, because it's, there's some days that I literally just cannot go to work because I'm just too depressed to go to work. And then I don't want my job thinking that I'm just lazy or something like that, but it's hard sometimes to manage it and to want to go to work when I just don't feel good. Um, But by breaking my hours down and kind of doing time management resources, it really kind of helps me, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally relate to that. Just having those kind of uh, mental health days where it's like you kind of call out with a, I know I've maybe done this for other reasons, like call out with the physical element, but it's really like a mental health day and you really kind of need some time just to recoup um, for people to understand. But yeah, kudos to you. I really applaud you. I think it's I think it's so amazing how you're balancing so much. And I, I know it's like, it's not easy with um, some of the things that we go through. Like it took me, it took me like 16 years to get my bachelor's degree. I just graduated from UNR and I got diagnosed my my very senior year of college. And it took me like that long to really kind of get back and finish it. So it's like, kudos to you. I know so many people struggle with going to school and, and working in some of these things and dealing with, um, with bipolar disorder. So um, kudos to you. I really am proud of you. That's awesome that you're doing so, so well. So and I wish you nothing but the best in, in finishing your schooling. So what are you going to school for right uh, now? It's for a healthcare degree. I'm in PA school. I'm okay. Oh, yeah. School after this. Physician's assistant, stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah. I think I was dabbling. I wanted to be like a physical therapist. And then when I was doing some time in a clinic, I met some people who were physician's assistants. I was like, oh, this is a pretty, pretty cool job. Pretty, You can do a lot of cool. Uh, if you get bored with one thing, you can kind of move laterally to a different area. So you're not really pigeonholed into one thing. So Yeah. I, I do you have and I work with quite a few different PAs right now and they're I just kind of just am in awe of their job because they get to do so many different things and it seems like it never gets boring so but I'm sure it yeah. does but to me it doesn't seem like it gets boring <laughs> yeah no two days are the same I feel like you can really specialize do you have anything that you're kind of interested in specializing in when you get out of school um, or well, I used to work in neurology as a medical assistant, and then I just transferred to internal medicine. And I think I might do mm-hmm. internal medicine as a PA um, because I just really enjoy it, and it's such a wide variety of things. So, 
Very cool. It's so it's so refreshing to hear people who are I don't know I would consider you a high level achiever and high, highly successful. So it's <laughs> like I hope I hope that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. But it's just really nice to hear people who are uh, managing things so well and and still kind of accomplishing their goals. So. Um, where can people maybe find you on Instagram or social media? Or, uh, I know I don't, I'm not on TikTok. Are you on TikTok at all? Or maybe some of your handles that you, people can find I you on? I am on TikTok. <laughs> um, <Are> you... <laughs> so I have bipolar and bougie, which is bipolar and B-O-U-G-I-E. That's on TikTok Great and name. Instagram. Um, so I have that. And then I also have my SID period M period D for my fitness account too. So, which I post sometimes about my bipolar disorder, but usually I try to keep those two separate. Um, just because I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's always a fear that if you make it like publicized on an account that people aren't following you for that, that they're going to unfollow you or they're not going to like, not like that's really a big deal to me, but it's still just, it's kind of a, a bot like a worry in a way is I don't want to like be posting stuff that people don't want to watch or look at and when I can mm -hmm. just post all that on my regular bipolar and bougie account so yeah no I love your handle yeah. very very appropriate name bipolar and bougie I love it it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I consider myself a little bougie as well yes. so <laughs> yeah well, thank you so much for your time today, Sid. I look forward to maybe connecting and staying in touch through the, the gram and all that stuff and maybe having you on in a future episode. I really appreciate your time today. And I'm sure a lot of people out there can totally relate to some of the things that we touched on today. So thank you for this, uh, for your time and for this discussion. Of course. Thank you. Of course. No problem. <laughs> Bye. All right. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Lifting with Bipolar. Stay connected with me directly through jonathancharco.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at jonathancharco. As always, thank you for pushing your mindset and heart towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please leave a review of the podcast as well as subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other.